Hi, everybody. Welcome to Growth Hacks Experiences. This week, we have an extraordinary guest joining us, the awesome Neil Schaffer. Let me tell you a little bit about our special guest of today, because we have a packed session, a very important session for all the business coaches out there, business coaches, life coaches, everyone that we met in Mind Valley and, and the company of Evercoach. We have this special edition because we have so many questions of how we can grow our business as a life coach, as a business coach, what kind of tools we can use, what kind of strategies we can apply. And this is the great moment where we can get most of that knowledge or a lot of these tips that can serve all of these beautiful people, lives of souls that actually are looking for serving, for improving the health, the business, and the communities in their surrounding. Neil, how are you? Welcome to be, thank you for being here and welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm pumped to be here. Neil, uh, so just to tell as well our coaches, which, uh, by the way, I already was mentioning to them about this special day. Let me tell about also about some of the things that Neil uh, has done in the past. Uh, Neil is a leading, a leading per, uh, per, uh, ex expert in marketing, not only from this perspective of digital transformation, but also in consulting, training, helping enterprises in all kinds of scales to develop their marketing strategy, influencing marketing and social selling initiatives. Also, uh, Neil is a, 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 also is a teacher in digital media for executives at the Rutgers, Rutgers Business School, an Irish management institute in Ireland and the university in Finland. <laughs> wow. <laughs> By the way, I, Neil, I was watching also about the, all the languages that you speak and I was like, wow. That's that's very interesting, very powerful. Do you see well, actually? You, you speak a few yourself, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you see a, a big impact? And so, because I was wondering actually, that I, I was starting from the connection, the strong connections that you have with Asia, with Japan. How, how did what, how did that happen, Neil? Can you tell us? Yeah, a bit I, about I grew up in an area of Southern California where most of my friends were Asian American. So when I went to university, I said I'm going to learn an Asian language, and I'm going to do my junior year abroad in Asia. So I ended up learning Chinese actually first and doing my junior year abroad, spent some time in Taiwan and then in Beijing. Um, and then for various reasons, I ended up coming back and learning Japanese and actually beginning my career in Japan. So I actually lived, you know, born and raised in the United States, did not start even speaking Japanese until I was 21, but then moved to Japan. Uh, started working there and ended up living there 15 years, um, met my wife there, uh, you know, learned how to play drums, was in a band there, learned how to scuba dive, got licensed there, learned how to ski, learned how to drink beer, um, had just, you know, wonderful, wonderful memories. And I, I say that because I don't care how old you are, you're never too old to learn a new language, but you gotta, you gotta live there and really immerse yourself in the culture. So I didn't hang out with other Americans in Japan. Um, I pretty much hung out just with, with Japanese uh, and I tried to use Japanese as much as I could. So just a bit of advice for those that uh, might want to pick up a foreign language. Uh, it is doable, but I think you need the right mindset and you definitely got to live there. 
Correct, correct. I, you, you know, actually talking about that, I, I was in a German school when I was a child, and oh, wow. I was probably studying like 12 years in a German school, but I never really spoke German as till the moment that I really went to live in Germany. So I completely understand that perspective. Absolutely. So immerse yourself completely. And Neil, from being an author of three books in social media, uh, by the way, I will also would love to share all these titles of like Maximize Your Social and The Age of Influence. Well, I, I wanted to make sure actually that we're going to make a list of all the important assets that we want to share with the life coaches, business coaches listening to this video today. Neil, if we may ask, throwing you some important questions for us as coaches about how we can learn to boost and maximize the potential of our businesses as business coaches. I'm going to start throwing you some what we call darts, if I may. Bring them on. So here we go. So Neil, how to stand out? You know, uh, we, we're, we're thinking about like, there is the algorithm of LinkedIn, there is the way actually how we can uh, cut through the whole noise of people publishing day after day, uh, all kinds of publications, or, and you have all these self-declared experts in multi-level marketing in LinkedIn. How, how, how do you think that actually it's one of the ways to stand out? Well, I think I begin with taking social media out of the picture. Like, who, who are you? What makes you special? And often it's a cultural background. It's how you grew up. It's how it's what, you know, it's your mission. It's the why of why you do what you do. I think you first got to really dig deep into who you are to begin to uncover those things that become assets, right? So Japan is something that there's tons of digital marketing experts on LinkedIn, but very few can have the knowledge that I have about Japan that can also speak both languages. So I yeah. can use that to my advantage as part of my personal branding. I can talk about Kaizen and Japanese approach to business and what we can learn from it. Um, and whatever you do, I think the whole idea about sticking out is being memorable. And the only way to be memorable is to have something a little bit different about you that is unique to you that nobody can emulate. So I, I challenge, and this is really an art and personal branding right um yeah. there are some people part of their personal branding is their actual outfit um if you yeah. look at my profile photo i'm always wearing a black suit and royal blue shirt and i do these i just came back from berlin right? i did a photo shoot there in the black suit and royal blue shirt in you know very very hot weather there um but you know the the branding can be external like that or you know something internal but that would be where i start what is going to be you know your niche within a niche right yeah um and I think that it begins with, you know, like I said, brainstorming ideas. How can I be different than the others? What is unique about me? What can I talk about that they can't? And often that may come down to a particular region of the world that you want to focus in or that you live in. It might come down to industry that you're very experienced in. You're more experienced than any other business coach in this very, very specific industry, like, you know, uh, French bakeries throughout Europe, I don't know, whatever, the, whatever that is, right? Yeah. Uh, begin with what makes you special. And that is really the start of how you are going to stick out online. And okay. I will say, you know, yes, there's a lot of noise, but not everybody sees all the noise. It's going to come down to your actual connections and how you stick out to them and become memorable to them. 
And if you're successful with that and they engage with your content, the algorithm will reward you and you'll be able to reach more and more people. So start with the people that you know and gather engagement from them based on this personal branding exercise. And I hope that gives you some ideas as to how to start the process. Yeah. And it's a long process. There's no one right or wrong answer. You may go down one route and then it's like, you know what, that's not me and that's fine. Uh, it's okay to change. But if you really want to stick out, you got to be different. There's just no other way around that. Exactly, exactly. Thank you, Neil. And if, if adding to it, may I ask your your version of considering uh, the Japanese connection? May I ask your version about ikigai? How do you see ikigai in this sense? That is so funny because I was at the Berlin airport on Saturday afternoon. And I went into the bookstore there. I love going into airport bookstores and love looking at like the top 10 English books. Number two was Ikigai. Um, the version, not the original version, but one written by an actual Japanese uh, novelist. And I'm only halfway through, but I read it on the airplane coming home. And I read enough of it that it's probably going to influence the introduction in my own new book <laughs> that I'm hey. writing. Um, so I think that You know, when I think of Ikigai, and I think that everybody will think of it differently, um, I have always been about, in a weird way, like wanting to serve, uh, in, very, very detail-oriented. So, you know, the sushi chef who's always trying to get the perfect, you know, dish of sushi, or they talk about in the book, you know, sculptors that try to get this perfect sculpture. Um, I sort of am that way, my approach to business. In fact, I, looking back and connecting the dots, I've always been that way. So for me, it's about perfecting your marketing right? Um, and getting into the details and how can we make it better than it was yesterday? And how can we make it perfect? And it's really that pursuit that excites me, that drives me. That's sort of my ikigai. I'm, and I think you can have multiple ikigais, but as far as my professional ikigai, it really is for perfection in what I do. And for me, that is in this digital marketing sphere where a lot of companies make mistakes, they're confused, looking for direction, or they've been led astray, or what, or, and it's always changing, right? So th that is my guy. And I think when I said you need to tap into your why, often the why is intertwined with that guy, right? Yeah. Like, you know, what gets you up in the, and, and the book talks about, you know, what, what gets you up in the morning? What, what gets you excited about the day? And that is a great definition of guy, And you, you have to have that, right? It doesn't have to be for your business life. It, it, it should be for your personal life as well, but you need something to spark your own personal journey. But I believe if we're going to spend 40 hours a week doing something professionally to earn a salary, we should also have an ikigai for that. And that can serve us. And we can always tap into that whenever we're confused or, you know, whenever we we're looking for content ideas or, you know, proposal ideas, whatever that is, I think the ikigai becomes a guiding light. So I'm really, you know, it's almost like we had pre-planned that question, which I know we didn't. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. It's really, really top of mind right now, that concept. So thank you for that. Beautiful, beautiful. So now that we talk about the algorithm uh, and the standing out, now, how would you recommend or what, what do you consider that is important when you set up a profile in LinkedIn, for example, without being so salesy? Uh, and of course, it's important to understand how to close deals. Uh, but At the end, we don't want to mess up also our brand. We also want to be out, 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 authentic and trustworthy. How would you say actually in terms of your profile, what should be the do's and don'ts? Yeah, that's a very broad question that we could probably talk an hour on. But 
obviously you want to have a professional photo. Now, if you're a life coach, it might be different than a business coach, right? But LinkedIn, yeah. generally speaking, is professional. You want to be smiling, right? You want to attract other people through your presence. So I think the most important parts without going into too much detail, right, is you have that profile photo. You have a background cover photo as well. And I think a lot of people just neglect this, but it's really important because when people go to your profile, that's the first thing they see is at the very top. So until recently, I had like just a stack of my most recent book, The Age of Influence, because I was, was, that's all it was. So I wasn't like saying buy the book. It was just a picture of, you know, like 10 copies laid out, right? More recently, I'm like, hey, this is how I help businesses. And these are the services I offer. I think it's okay to do something like that so that people know what exactly you do. Right. And if you were to go to LinkedIn.com slash in slash Neil Schaefer, you can sort of see what I have as a template. But, you know, whatever it is, I think you should have something there, some part of your visual branding. And then you have what's called the professional headline. And this professional headline is about, I don't know, maybe 210 or 240 characters. But it's really important because if people are searching for like, you know, let's say I'm in Berlin, Germany, and I do a search for life coach in Berlin, what comes up in the LinkedIn search results are a photo, a name, and then that headline. And that's why it's really critical that you really nail like who you are, what makes you different, how you help people. And there's no one like perfect formula for this, but you know, I help, you know, X do Y through Z, um, you know, line, vertical line or pipe. And then, you know, um, number one winner at Mind Valley Conference 2023 slash um, trilingual, you know, just a few different talking points that will get people intrigued to want to reach out and click and then go to your profile. So I think that that those three elements are really, really important. And people just normally don't spend a lot of time on them, but I, I highly recommend you do. The fourth element then is when they go to your profile, they're going to see your summary or your about, you know, section. And I want you to tell your story there. It should always be in first person. Imagine you were talking to a prospective client. How would you describe yourself? How you know warm would you be in that conversation? Um, I think a lot of people take like a third party, a third person approach, like Neil Schaefer is a, um, or it's just, I don't know, it, it doesn't sound very human and conversational. So that's where you really wanna open up your, your house to other people yeah. and say, hey, this is who I am. This is how I help people, um, you know, um this is the story of why i do what i do and i think if you can nail that there's other parts of linkedin that go beyond that but i want you to think of like how you help people how you add value and your unique story and i think if you focus on that you're not being salesy you're not being promotional and you're attracting the right people and you you almost want to be a little bit specific to let people know what you do because otherwise you're never going to attract the right person. So it's okay to repel the people you don't want to work with, right? In your content as well. Uh, there's a great uh, book called Content Fortress. I just interviewed the authors of it uh, in my own podcast. And, you know, use content to qualify people. So you don't want anyone and everyone contacting you. So I prefer to work with, you know, entrepreneurs of, you know, uh, small to medium-sized businesses or, uh, start a business, whatever that is. Like if you have an ideal type of person that you think you can serve best, talk about that. Talk about why you like to serve them. And that's really, really going to help you hone in on that ideal customer. And they will be the ones that will contact you because of, you know, this is sort of the way that personal branding works. You, you are what you tweet. You're going to attract 
those based on how you set this all up. So I'm hoping that gives you something to work on. Um, yeah. And really, you know, LinkedIn profiles are extremely influential. I don't get that much engagement on my posts, but every time I talk to someone in my network, Neil, I, you know, I saw that you did this, did, did this and did that. So there's almost this like silent lurkers. They're not necessarily engaging, but they're seeing you, you are visible. So don't take it for granted, really, you know, of any profile as a coach, you really need to nail LinkedIn and start there. There's a lot more that goes with it. I, I have a free ebook on my, on my website that people can download with more advice. And I'm actually going to have a new version of it for 2023 out in about another week. We're working on that today. Um, but th that would be where I start. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in that sense, it also resonated to me about another idea that I believe is also Japanese. What I was mentioning about, I think it's the Kenzo Satori, about really knowing what was your pain and how did you overcame that? So you make actually really a clear uh, understanding of who are you going to help with? Yeah, and I don't want you to get too overly dramatic. I think we sometimes see these like internet marketer speakers and like, you know, they were in some car crash when they were three and, you know, they could barely walk. I, you know, I don't, I don't want you to get, I don't want you to like pull on too much emotion there, okay. but you know, why you do what you do, why you're passionate. That, that's what I want you to cover. Not, not something sensational. Like, like some people do. I don't think LinkedIn's the right place for that. True. True. Uh, then, then is the connection with other social networks indeed, like YouTube, for example, where you are more open to uh, in different directions of conversations indeed which I would also would love to ask you in a moment. Uh, may, or next question is about what are the top 10 scenes, top 10, let's say top five is possible of in LinkedIn now that everyone is overlooking. What should we start doing now? Uh, when some people actually will say like, not everyone is getting your information. So what it will be important for, for people to get right away. We were talking about exactly what we're explaining uh, but in, in the terms of, for example, whenever you are, for example, a freelance coach, uh, just is starting, where would you say actually the top three, five scenes in the terms of what you publish now? Well, I'll, I'll give you like, you know, my top three tips. I mean, number one is like get your profile set up correctly because everything that you do is gonna lead people back to your profile. All roads lead to Rome, all roads lead to your profile. So, you know, seriously get that set up. The second thing I'd say is LinkedIn is something called creator mode. And a lot of people don't know about this, but you don't have to be like a content creator, like influencer to turn it on. It, I think it's available internationally now, but you need to edit your profile and you should see a resources section and the ability to turn this on. And when you turn it on, there's a few things you can do. You can add these hashtags uh, on your profile, like right, I believe they appear right underneath your name. So if you specialize in a certain type of coaching, you know, what are your specialties? You'll want to add those there. There is belief, uh, there's no proof, but LinkedIn has hinted that people that have creator mode on and, you know, they talk about things that they say they're an expert in, there might be a little bit more visibility for them, not only in the search engine, but also for their content. So yeah. it's free, you know, there's no money here. Um, you know, so you get to add the hashtags. You can add a custom website link. So if you were to go to my profile, I have a link that says my website. You can, you know, book a free 30 minute consultation. It could be whatever you want, but you have to have creator mode on in order to get that. And then the other thing that it allows you to do is it gives you access to the LinkedIn newsletter feature and the LinkedIn live stream feature. Okay. These are not really that important, 
But if as a coach, at some point you begin to, you know, publish some sort of newsletter, whether it's weekly or monthly, you can simply copy and paste and, and put it on LinkedIn, like I do with my weekly newsletters. And it's just additional distribution for what you do. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a real no brainer to do. And that is, you know, the second thing that I think you should do. The third thing is what you hinted at, which is content to publish. I think, you know, five, 10 years ago, LinkedIn was about like LinkedIn groups or get lots of connections. And clearly today it's about the content and it's not just engaging with other people that you should do. You know, if, if you were going to publish, you know, one piece of content per week, I'd want you every day engaging with five, 10, 15, 20 people. Right. Um, okay. but the content is really interesting because it's become more personal and there's a lot of older traditional LinkedIn users that don't like what has happened, but you know, millennials have taken over the the working generation the, you know and the workforce and linkedin as well so the way we communicate on linkedin now is is a little bit more like facebook right um the topics we cover are still professional but you know having a selfie photo and being able to talk about today i had a major breakthrough with a life coach client let me tell you what happened you, you probably see these in your feed it's a selfie or a photo and the first you know one or two sentences you they they got a really good hook and then yeah. they want you to you know click that see more that sends a really powerful sign to the algorithm that you're really interested in this person's content so you really want to aim for every piece of content that you publish on linkedin you really want to aim for those first two sentences to build up some intrigue some curiosity get people to click the see more so one is the selfie and do what i did i was in berlin for a week I went on to, it was actually ended up being an Airbnb service. I normally will find them on TripAdvisor. You can find them on Craigslist. Hire a photographer, do a photo shoot. Seriously, I spent an hour with a photographer. She's actually a verified influencer on Instagram with 160,000 followers who knew Berlin, nice. who was able to take me to the cool spots. We took like 300 photos, right? Um, so now if every week I wanted to post a selfie, I have, and I did a photo shoot in Osaka, Japan in April, right? Uh, and I did one in London. So now I have, you know, I have all the photos I need. Whenever I need a selfie for something, like boom, um, I can put it there. So the selfie is, is, is one way of doing it. There's also like data visualization. It doesn't have to be a photo of you. If you can visualize something um, like a stat or something, these can do really well as well. You have LinkedIn polls. Um, you know, you also have things like this type of carousel post, which requires you to create this like PDF, you know, maybe five to 15 slide PDF in, in a square format. I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to get too complex on this, but I think if you aim for a photo, right, a photo per post with a provocative thought based on your experience, based on your work, whatever it is, and get people to click through. If you were able to do that just once a week to begin with, I think you're going to be able to see some major impact on the platform. So um, LinkedIn content is, you know, I, I just wrote this chapter like yesterday for my new, this new 2023 edition of the, of the ebook because it's changed so much in the last year that um, it really is this new way of speaking. And hopefully, you know, you begin to look at the posting your LinkedIn feed a little bit differently after you hear this and they can be done, right? It is not that hard to do. I will also say that probably a lot of people on LinkedIn are now beginning to use AI to help them write that content as well. So yeah. I highly recommend, and I'm including a chapter on two AI tools that I use for LinkedIn in my ebook, but I highly recommend uh, for content creation, AI is gonna give you ideas. It's gonna help you write some of the text. I never recommend you copy and paste it, but it's definitely gonna give you some ideas and help accelerate 
your your thoughts to paper to publish on LinkedIn. So hopefully yeah. that gives you a lot to to think about um, and to implement uh, after you listen to this podcast. Yeah, wonderful indeed. You you know uh, it it's it it was going into my following questions because there are a lot of the tools that we is, is used to um, in a way implement in order to make research about what we wanted to speak uh, about on LinkedIn or in general. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, was a, I was a big fan of Google Trends, uh, all kinds of Google tools in order to get information. Uh, I, I, use, I, I, work in a, I work with a SEO agencies, so we were always looking for keywords in all these kinds of tools like SEMrush, uh, Arif, but boom, November happened, ChatGTP went out, all the era of now of all the tools that we have, uh, Mind Valley or or certificate or organization, it just launched a summit full of AI tools. Um, everyone now it's going like, okay, where do we start? How do we do? What yeah. do we take? Oof, uh, it's it's of course it can get overwhelming. At the same moment, it's exciting. Yet, well, it's all about in a way a strategy or objectives. Yeah, you know. My my thoughts on this are, I think people get so infatuated with AI and the tools that they forget why they want to use them. So, you know, for me, I don't care about the engine I'm, of my car. I'm more concerned about where I'm going to go today, right? So I want you to really think, I think it's great to experiment, to, to learn what's out there. So you, you understand the possibilities and to be able to say, you know what? I get that that exists, but I don't need that right now. But this I might be able to use. In other words, you should already be wanting to do something and then you're looking for the tool that can help you do it better and faster. And if yeah. it doesn't meet the criteria, like, don't worry about it. I mean, there's some cool tools where I could put a little chatbot on my website with a human looking person that, you know, looks human and sounds human, um, at, you know, and, and be able to give like human answers to questions that people have, you know, when they come to my website. Right. But that's to me, that's not like a high priority thing. Like I know it's possible, but it's not something I really want to do. On the other hand, you know, getting because we're both podcasters here. I found about I found out about a podcast AI tool that will automatically create show notes for my podcast. I'm like, that's brilliant, right? Um, because it's not really about the SEO. Um, you know, as long as it gives a really good description, it fits the bill. Not everybody's really reading the show notes anyway, but it's something you need to have. So a perfect use case for AI. And then you know, I use Buzzsprout for my podcast hosting. They then introduce their own AI tool, which does it automatically within Buzzsprout. I don't have to like go to another tool. So it's like done. I'm just going to use that tool. And, and, you know, and that has been a serious time saver for me. So th those are the sorts of things. I'm not a big, like, just do everything in chat GPT. I'm, I'm actually a bigger Google Bard fan myself, but look for tools out there that are starting to use AI, right? I think that's really like, okay, I, I want a tool for like Twitter okay, well, like what, what can AI and Twitter do? Like what tools are out there? So I think you need to begin with, with a why, right? What are you trying to do? And then find the tools that can help you. And I think that's going to be the best way to, to, you know, slowly incorporate these. But if you've never done any of what I'm talking about, don't do it because it's AI, right? Um, yeah, you need to really good. do it with You really need to do it without AI first to understand how to best leverage AI as part of it would be my advice. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And, 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 and if they have some kinds of values where, for example, they're all against technology and then suddenly they start using AI, it's like coins again, there's values as well. Absolutely. 
So now, now we're now that we're talking indeed about the automatic uh, some of these AIs, and if we go a little bit deeper in terms of like automations, do you see systems indeed? Uh, is it is is it something that actually you really see it as like aside of being uh, that it can be productive? Do you see actually that that is really going to take over the jobs of people? Um, I I think that every new wave of technology means that people shift in terms of what they do. We saw it with the internet. We saw it with email. We saw it with like IT. Um, there was something called re-engineering in the 90s when these big IT departments were born and you didn't need to manually write a purchase order. It could be done electronically. Um, I think that AI just allows us once again, like everything else, move to higher value strategic thinking jobs because people still need to program the AIs. People still need to use the AIs and the AI can't do everything for everyone. So it's just another wave of technology evolution. And like with every wave, it's always smarter to get on top of it and to learn about it. Um, but I don't fear it. And I think if you're really good at what you do and you think AI might impact it, become the pioneer in learning how to use AI for your industry. That, that's, you know, I, there's pe people I know that really push back against anything new. And those are the people who become dinosaurs. So don't push back look into it, look at its pros and cons and find out a way to, you know, better understand how it might be of use to you. So, okay. you know, for instance, uh, I was talking to, you know, my editor in Berlin for my next book. And there's obviously a lot of writers who push back against AI. And I said, listen, you have a bunch of companies now that are trying to replace writers with AI and they're not going to be successful. But if you can be the one that says, hey, I am a writer and I know how to use AI and I can fix your AI content to sound more human, more engaging, and it's going to help you with your SEO, it's going to help you with your conversions. If you can be the master of both worlds, that's a really, really powerful position to be in, right? And that's sort of the role model I, I want you to all think about vis-a-vis -vis AI. I do not think an AI can be a life coach. I know that there are services saying, hey, here's like a virtual life coach. There are virtual like AI influencers, right? Um, people that are lonely may want to have an AI friend. We're gonna see more and more of this, but I think right now it's very novel. And I think at the end of the day, um, AI just means that human emotion, human connection is all the more important, um, which is why I go out of my way. This is also like Japanese influence. I go out of my way to meet people in person. If I wanna close business, you're always gonna be more successful you know, Zoom is good and all, but there's nothing like actually sitting down at the same table, drinking, you know, coffee at the same cafe, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. You know, AI really reminds us of the power of human connection. And I think that's a really powerful takeaway um, from all the evolution that we see, that, that that is something AI will never take away. Excellent, excellent. Indeed, indeed. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, in the end of the day, uh, some of us, we also see that these tools are there to give us more time. Absolutely. Give us back more time. And, and then it's actually our decision of what are we going to do with that time? Are, are we going to spend it more with our families? Are we going to think about what, what we can develop for ourselves in, 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 in sense of improving the society? I agree 1000%. Think of AI as your assistant. And that's a really, really good way to start to, to use it. And yeah, um, if it frees up time, what are you gonna do with it, right? So hopefully with your work, you'll be more strategic, maybe have a little bit more time to go to the gym more often, spend more time with family. Um, <laughs> we, we all need good you know, balance in our lives, so. Now, 
Neil, thank you. And if I may ask you as well, so the tips that we got so far as business coaching and using tools like LinkedIn, uh, and I, 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 of course, I know about it that we can we could go hours about the different strategies. But may I ask you, uh, what kind of tips could you give us to ask coaches about uh, be becoming a speaker as well, being a speaker and and talking about our messages? How how would you mm. recommend a starting point in there? Wow. Um... Well, you know, there's always events looking for speakers and you're not going to start at some huge international conference probably, but the best way to get experienced is to actually do it, is to actually, you know, go through the process of, you know, applying to speak at events, start with local events. Um, but you can also, you know, put on your own event, right? Uh, you can rent a, a, a meeting room in a co-working space, but if you're not ready for that yet, I want you to really practice with like mini videos. And this is something you have an iPhone, right? And you're, you're talking in front of the iPhone and just like a one minute or two minute story or one or two minute snippet of, you know, once again, like that LinkedIn selfie photo, you could also do a video. And I think that experience will really help you because speaking is a, you're not going to speak for one or two minutes. It's a, it's a 20, 30, 45 minute, maybe hour presentation or maybe two hours. I mean, it really depends on a lot of factors. So you need to put in your reps and get experience. And video is really the, you know, one of the best ways to do that. In addition to if you're able to speak locally at, you know, at various events. Um, Toastmasters, I've never been a member, but I know people that swear by it. Say it's a great organization to get involved with. I don't know if it's, I know we have it in the United States, not sure in other countries. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you know, just look for small, and, you know, one of the things I want to talk about Juan, when it comes to, yeah. you know, coaches is we talk about, you know, the online world, but the offline world is, critical is getting out to networking meetings, right? Meeting people locally where, where businesses hang out, where professionals hang out. Um, you know, almost every day, if there was some sort of networking event, I, I would be there, you know, if I had the time. Um, and really, you know, building that network offline and then connecting with them online, right? And then, you know, as time goes and they engage with your content, then your content might go to their network. So that's how you really want to bridge the online and offline. And I really think as a coach, you should be doing both of those in an ideal world. Wow, uh, that that took me. To, sorry, uh, that took me to another question as well. Like, would you consider that when you go networking, there are some specific situations that you should take take care in consideration? No, you know, networking. Um, first of all, you know, if you're shy, networking is going to really challenge you, and that's a good challenge because if you want to be a speaker, you you can't be shy. Yeah. You know, but I think. I think, you know, just meeting people, understanding that they may not be your target client, but they may be able to introduce you to your target client. So okay. whoever you meet, um, try to, you know, try to generate a, you know, connection, find out how you can help them. Maybe it's introducing them to someone, you know, um, but if you can make a one-on-one -on -one connection and figure out like, you know, how can I help this one person? Um, and if you can do that for every person that you meet, that would be ideal. I know it's hard. Um, but I think that's really the approach is, is an open mind. You're going to meet new people. Yes, they're going to find out what you do. You're going to find out what they do. It may be you just pick three people. That's like, you know what? These are the three people that I want to keep in touch with. These are three people that I think we can really help each other. Um, I, I wouldn't do networking looking for your target client. I would do networking looking for people that might be able to introduce you to your target client. That's That would be the way that I think about it. Wow. Okay. Super, super. Indeed. We, we, we got... You got 
not only from the part of online, so offline connections as well. So everyone actually from CBC and everyone from Mind Valley and Evercoach, uh, you know, guys, actually, ladies, gentlemen, the idea is how to connect, how to connect not only online, but how offline and how to make sure that you are resonating with the right values, with the right message that you are bringing to the world. Neil, I really thank you for all these uh, valuable tips for us, uh, for coaches out there, uh, for professionals and entrepreneurs as well, that they are trying to bring uh, a, a new company, a new enterprise, a new startup into existence. And LinkedIn is a powerful tool. At the end, in the, of course, it's the platform is, a, is the most powerful tool for in terms of professionals, B2B and B2, B2B especially. Now, Neil, if the coaches, life coaches, uh, whole body coaches would like to be in touch with you, how would be the best way for them to reach you? Well, I am Neil Schaefer everywhere online. It's, I am the real Neil, so it's N-E-A-L. <laughs> And uh, Schaefer, also pronounced Schaffer, but um, S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. So you can go to neilschaefer.com or, you know, anywhere on social media. I also have a podcast called Your Digital Marketing Coach with Neil Schaefer. So um, wherever you are, I am there and you can find me there and I'd love to hear from you. Super. We are going to make sure to put all the links and all the information value, uh, important in the description with our video. I thank everyone for your attention. Neil, it has been a pleasure and I really hope to speak soon as well again to keep learning from you. By the way, just let me let me tell, tell you a little story. Do you know that this segment was called Growth Hacks Live only mm -hmm. two weeks ago? And, and I was watching one of your uh, interviews with an, uh, 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 with an expert in terms of webinars. And she was, oh, okay. she was talking about the don't call it live if it's not live. <laughs> I was like, oh man, my name is Growfax Live. So I changed it to Growfax <laughs> because I, I learned it from you. <laughs> Neil, you know, she's also based in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really good, really good. <laughs>